You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clubo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. What's happening, Cliff? Lots of stuff is happening, man. I, yeah, lots of Bigfoot stuff, lots of museum stuff, lots of Cliff stuff. What about you? Gosh, uh, I didn't think of, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. You weren't prepared for Did you know we're doing the <laughs> podcast tonight? I'm trying to think what I've done. <laughs> well, I've gone to the Redwoods a couple of times and I got that picture from you, from the guy from Fern Canyon, the Upside Down Tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for our listeners, I was sent this photograph or actually a little video of a tree, you know, shoved into the ground, roots up, you know, like the ones on Prince of Wales Island or whatever. And I sent it off to Bobo because it was in his neighborhood. What did you find out about it? I think it was really old. I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw that tree like that, like years, a few years ago or more. Um, but it's Fern Canyon. It's, a, it's like a, it's part of that whole Redwood National Park, like World Heritage Site. It's beautiful. You've seen it in... Um, it's in Jurassic Park, the first one where the fat guy rolls down and from Seinfeld and Newman gets eaten by the little critters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Newman. Yeah. yeah, so anyways, they got, um, it's like a vertical 40-foot wall canyon. And I've seen when the trees come down, they don't slide down a hill, they just come down, they just fall, and sometimes they come down head first, you know, the top up and root wad in the air. And I think that was just something natural than the rest of the landslide got washed away or maybe they'll have hand trail crews like the ccc guys like the you know the kids that are like in work camp they'll have those guys go out there and clear stuff out so i could just see those guys like it was already partially that way when i'm going hey let's just dig around it a little bit and pack it in there and you know we clear the rest of the let's be sitting there like that you know i could totally see that happening yeah. Now, what are your thoughts about those um, root ball up sort of uh, tree things? Like, do you think those are Sasquatch related or otherwise? I think most aren't, but I think a few of them are. Really? No, no. If they are Sasquatch and, and see, cause I don't think any of them are, I'm going to be the curmudgeon. I'm going to be the skeptic. I'm going to be the dick, you know? So like, uh, it, I don't think any of them are because any, why in the world would a Bigfoot expend that many calories doing such a thing? Uh, intimidation, just how big and strong they are, possibly. Yeah, okay. That's re- a reasonable assumption. You're not, it doesn't convince me, but I, I can see how that would be a, a reason. And it stands out. Like, you know, your urine smell, you're marking your church, you can wash away in the rain, stuff with an upside down tree stuck in the ground. I'm more, I think more of the ones where you see the branches, the butt end, the broken off branches, shut in the ground, making the X over the trail, like one butt on each side of the trail. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's squatch. Yeah, I think that's very possible as well. I've always, I've, I've uh, been very skeptical about these upside down tree things because of something you told me. Loggers do weird stuff when there's nothing going on. Oh, dude, we, that's when people go, who would do such a thing like we did? <laughs> yeah, because you, you worked on logging crews for years, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if we were, yeah, I mean, it was super hot. We were laying up in the shade. We'd build dams and carve wooden boats and then let the dam build up for like an hour and then bust it open and have a flash flood down the mountain whose boat goes the furthest one, like just stuff like that. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, whether you're 50 or 20, it doesn't really matter. Cause you're still 10, no matter yeah. what you are. So you know, some 50 year olds have having access to excavators and tractors and front loaders and like the, the sky's the limit. I mean, it's, it's Tonka truck. These are all Tonka trucks, but life size. Um, and then you get a bunch of bored dudes out in the woods and like, okay, well, no one's working until five or six or tomorrow or something. 
and you have these excavators at your disposal, you're going to build some weird stuff. Yeah. Put big boulders up on top of stumps and stuff like that. Yeah, I've seen all that stuff. But you know what? Um, this is Bigfoot Beyond. We're talking the Bigfoot, but we got some Beyond coming up today. We got our I am excited. I am super excited about this one, actually. Now, you don't know that yet, Cliff. I do know. You told me. Oh, I was trying to surprise you. No, you shouldn't have told me then. That's a really bad way to surprise me. But it's our, our uh, good bro and go-to ghost advisor and the seventh or eighth sexiest man in paranormal, Nick Groff is with us tonight. What's Nick? up, guys? How are you doing? <laughs> I, I like the like, sixth to seventh or eighth or whatever. <laughs> Who are the other ones I'm up against? You, Bobo? No, I, I just saw a list one time. It was oh, 10 oh, yeah. I know. 10 number 12, I think. <laughs> number 12. Yeah. I'm trying to work my way up to the top, but I. Maybe <laughs> well, we'll you just got to let us know who they are. We'll take them out for you. Yeah, there you go. Maybe my second life. Who knows? I think you need to get in the bathing suit competition. You're going to really shine, though, in the question and answer part. Yeah, exactly. I know. That's why I'm, I'm losing. I got to read the dictionary a little bit better. So my vocabulary spawns more. Yeah. <laughs> So how's that for a welcome? I've probably never been welcomed like that anywhere, have I you? Know, I know. It's too bad you can't see me right now, but I am wearing a Speedo and I'm just sitting here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always, whenever I think about you, that's always how I picture you. You're, you're overdressed you know, for this podcast. I know. Well, you're just you're natural today, Bobo? Just in the woods. Always. Nice. Going commando. There you go. You know, funny, funny thing is, is not a lot of people know that I was a swimmer from age six years old to 13. So Speedo was just like an ordinary thing, you know? Back when I was a kid and stuff, it was no big deal in the 80s, 90s or whatever. But we were competitive swimmers, my sister and I. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of funny to me, like if if you would picture that today, just showing up at the beach or something like that, you know? So well, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, the best thing I saw was, I don't know if you guys remember this old band, TSOL. You might remember them, Cliff. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, that, that, like, if they weren't a Long Beach band, they played in Long Beach all the time. Yeah, Vendors they, and everything. Yeah, there were some of those barns and those guys were from Long Beach. But they, uh, Jack, the singer, who's just like one of the 10 craziest guys, wildest dudes, all-time rock and roll history. We went surfing one time in Huntington Beach in the middle of summer, and he was wearing just a pair of pink Speedos and black letters across the butt. It said F off, but it spelled out the F word. Nice. nice. Yeah, it's it pretty classy. You got so many looks. and I bet. Uh, it was hilarious. Tell us about your Speedo, Nick. What was your Speedo yeah, like? Let's talk about mine. Well, I mean, I was eight, <laughs> so I don't, I don't really remember. Um, no, it, it was um, – it's funny. Just used to be a competitive swimmer. Uh, for a long time. Um, actually, my sister went to University of uh, Arizona, uh, U of A, for a full scholarship for swimming. Um, she missed the, the Olympics uh, time, like a half a second or something like that in backstroke. But I mean, she was one of the top elite and uh, they were bre breeding me the same way. I just didn't, I don't know, at age 13, I just kind of got sick of the cold water, to be honest with you. I was so sick of the cold water swimming in it. So I was like, I want to do basketball and every other sport. Um, yeah, so if you were born in another state, you know, maybe yeah. you would have taken to it more. Yeah, I think so. If I was in like Arizona or somewhere where it's warm. But I mean, I was in New Hampshire. I grew up in New England. And man, it's freaking cold. <laughs> the winter times are like, because <laughs> we would go to swim before we would start school. So we would go there at like 5 a.m., swim for two hours, go to school, come back and swim at night too, every single day. Wow. It was insane. Yeah. 
So I think that's where a lot of my craziness comes from of being an adventurer and going into, I don't know, crazy abandoned buildings or caverns or mine. And pushing yourself. You got that mental toughness. Yeah, yeah. Nick's a great athlete. I mean, besides being a competitive swimmer as a kid, he went to college on a full ride in Nevada for soccer. And then I've seen him yep. hoop. He's a great, I mean, he could have played college ball, I'm sure. And we posted a couple of videos like Nick shooting half court shots through a net. <laughs> Remember a that? Whole, that was yeah, amazing. Whole, that was incredible. <laughs> did you see that, Cliff? I did see that. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> that was fun. Well, the fu- it's a funny story because I got bored. It was Crypticon and uh, we moved it there in Lexington. Uh, Crypticon convention. And basically, I was just chilling and I got bored. So I was in jeans, I was waiting around and I went and I found a a half court indoor basketball court. And I was like, this is awesome. So I started playing ball by myself. And in in walks Bobo and somebody else. And I'm there shirtless in jeans, just shooting around. (laughs) I'm like, Bobo, film this. And I go into the arcades and I, on my third try, just threw it uh, through this little hole uh, in this net that well, it was like a 10-foot wall dividing like a room with 30-foot right. high ceilings. And so there's the 10-foot wall, then a 20-foot of net so the balls didn't go out of the half court into the arcade. But there was a hole not much bigger than a basketball in that net. And Nick threw it. Couldn't see the backboard. He couldn't see anything. Threw it through the hole and swished it. It was amazing. Hmm. Yeah, it was <laughs> a good time. I don't know. I felt like we just won you know, gold medal in the Olympics or something. Bob and I were like running around, jumping around. It was so ridiculous. It was so stupid, but it was, it was fun, you know? It was. Yeah. You may not know about my swimming background, Nick, actually. I, I wore Speedos just for fun, of course. But um, <laughs> in general, um, I was actually a college champion. On, you, know, you know what synchronized swimming is, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I used to do that solo. Get out of here. <laughs> No, yeah. you didn't. Come Sync- on. Solo synchronized swimming. It's a very, very small sport. Not a lot of people are into it. Um, yeah. It's basically just me. So, I mean, yeah. I, whenever I participate, I take the gold every time. There you go. Yeah. How do you yeah. hold yourself up out of water? You just... Like, With pride. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's amazing. It's the Speedos, man. The speedos. Yeah, it's the Speedo, you know. It, That's it, how I hold myself up. Man, the way they design those, you can just like float through air. I can totally <laughs> see you doing that. Just like totally cliff ripped, like yep. eight pack, looking like yep. from 300, the movie, and just. Well, well it's not so much a six. I have a different kind of six pack going. Oh. Yeah, beer six pack. Tell us about a beer six it's pack. Yeah, and, and people say that I'm not in good shape, but I disagree because I think round's a perfectly good shape. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, man. That is true. <laughs> so is Oval. Oh, oh, right. What is square then? What is triangle? <laughs> That's inverted triangles, Nick, baby. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty typical podcast, I think, for you, isn't it, Nick? And this is what we, we, talk <laughs> yeah, about. We, we we kick it off with speedos and synchronized swimming and <laughs> triangles. Yeah, Wait, so I got some. I got something paranormal to ask Nick before I forget because yes. this is serious. Okay, I got a really good friend, and you know him too, uh, Cliff. He's up. He contacted you about ordering a set of cast from up in Washington. Okay. Out of Seattle. Um, his little girl, she's eighth, ninth grade, has been having beasts with this. There's a woman, go- they live next to a cemetery, like right. I mean, there's bodies buried like 40 feet from their house. And uh, so, oldest people. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> they, they see the ghost woman in the, in the window. And I was there one time we were out playing in the yard and the curtain was like moving around. And I was like, I didn't see anything, but they're like, oh, yeah, she's watching us. You know, she looks out the window all the time. But um, the, 
little girl was it was messing with her in the room and she told her to get away leave her alone and it tore like the grandma was in the room there too and it tore down the, the curtains mm-hmm. like ripped them down off the wall and threw them in the middle of the room and then grabbed her by the neck and squeezed her neck hard and shook her that's a poltergeist right if it does if it makes physical contact i mean poltergeists are like a malicious spirit it's so hard to define things these days you know what i mean i think i'm at a different perspective in life right now where i'm I'm looking at stuff outside the box where we want to try so hard to put categorizes like that's a poltergeist that's a voice or whatever we want to put stuff into a box but i mean poltergeist supposedly is more malicious and more of um stuff that moves things throws things stuff like that um i mean if that actually really did happen i mean did you witness this or was this just no, your was on, the grandma was there and the my buddy was downstairs and okay. she running down screaming crying yeah. hysterical and they like, heard they heard they heard the curtains get ripped down okay i mean like look if this if this really happened that that's what the experience was um you know obviously there's entities where they can physically um grab you or or cause harm or something like that it's any i i I believe more in energy so i think that some sort of energy probably affected her and maybe obviously a triggering effect of like ripping the curtains down or something like that and causing that It, it can be somebody that's grumpy too you know like there's a lot of bad people in this world so a right. lot of bad people die and that energy lingers behind. So it's the subconscious of that energy possibly lashing out at her. It could be some grumpy old man that's just mad. Maybe not necessarily like how we perceive things where it's like, oh, it's a demon or, oh, it's this poltergeist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, typically. It didn't hurt her. Just grabbed her by the neck and scared the crap out of her. Right. I'm curious why, though. Like, why would... She's that, a fiery little kid. I mean, she's yeah, like just huge personality, like very brave. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she's lives up. She lives, you know, she's lived with it since she's a little kid. And she's not really a. She's not into it. But she's not. She wasn't afraid of it. But now she's freaked out. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think now is a good time to for those people who are listening. You know, in in the more or less Bigfoot crowd who may not know who Nick is. You know, I mean, I, maybe this is a good time to kind of tell everybody about that because we've jumped into this ghost thing all of a sudden. Well, like Nick, Nick is a, a very well-known paranormal investigator. I mean, most people know him from Ghost Adventures, you know, or Paranormal Lockdown or Ghost Stalkers or one of the TV shows. He's He has a production company. He's on all sorts of TV shows. He's got a new project, Death Walkers, out there. Um, so we're, this episode will mostly be about ghosts and weird stuff, you know. We'll probably touch on the Bigfoot thing because that's what we do. But um, this is really a beyond of Bigfoot and beyond. And, and Nick is no slouch. He's legitimate. Um, he's uh, anti-hoaxing. And if I think just the stuff that you were just now saying, Nick, is really interesting because you said several times, more than once, you said, um, if this is real, if it really did happen. And I love that perspective because are ghosts real? I think so. I mean, there, enough weird stuff happens to enough weird, like not weird people that um, we can say it's something is going on. But what that is, I, do, I personally don't know. I mean, maybe you, you, you certainly have more insight into it than um, I do. And yeah. uh, that's one of the fun things about having you on. So I just want to let kind of a small introduction for the Bigfoot-centric crowd that we tend to um, get. Um, that's who we're talking to. Nick is a, a par- I don't even know what to call you. I would say a ghost expert. <laughs> call me whatever you want. <laughs> I'll call yeah, you I mean, Nick, you know. Yeah. I'm happy to call you a friend. But like uh, to the fact that uh, you're, I guess, a paranormalist. I-, I like your approach already just because 
you basically reference something about basically putting words on things, right. like defining things, like the, the paranormal, whatever that is, has to be such a large field that it'd, it'd be very difficult to define or put words on any of the phenomenon associated. Exactly. It, yeah, and I think that's a really interesting take and a really good tact to come at this thing from. So thank you very much for that, Nick. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate, you know, obviously the introduction and stuff and the support and everything. And you guys are great people. Um, known you guys for a while. And yeah, there's no BS. I, I love conversations about everything paranormal, from cryptid to UFO to ghost, whatever the topic is that is unexplainable that we can't comprehend as human beings. I love talking about it. I mean, really, that's where, how I grew up. I actually wasn't into spirits, ghosts, and all that stuff when I first kind of got interested in the subject matter. I was more heavily into space, time, UFOs, looking up at the stars and saying, what else is out there beyond just life, us, human beings, death, beyond the scope of like what we try to categorize or we try to put in a box. And I was, I'm just such a deep thinker, man, and I love conversations because I don't know everything. Like, let's face the facts, nobody does, right? We're all evolving as human beings and we're growing, we're, we're creating uh, new technology, we're creating theories, ideas, we're, we're expanding our vocabulary, we're trying to evolve uh, further beyond the scope that we see in the infinity of trillions of stars and life form that we know of. So the idea that I look at things now is totally different than when I looked at stuff 10 years ago. You know, I was that young kid on Ghost Adventures or whatever, running around saying, come and get me ghosts, you know, in abandoned haunted locations. Right. But my perception has changed dramatically. And I think that's just over time of going through experiences, understanding things, breaking it down in my head, but saying, you know what? I'm not going to be redundant. I'm not going to keep walking in a, a reported haunted location and running a spirit box. What good does that do for anybody or myself? I think personally, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go beyond physically and mentally pushing the boundaries of how can we think outside the box to discover new things that we, don't, we haven't found yet. Like a scientist diving to the bottom of the seas that we don't even know what new species are out there and discovering new things or going into the forest that is uncharted territory, discovering new species that we don't even know about. Or going beyond like, you know, our planets with spaceships or time travel or whatever the heck it is, through wormholes, drones, stuff like that. I mean, we'd be naive to think that we are it and this is this is all there is. But so uh, along those lines, with the paranormal aspect in particular, do you think we're any closer to that goal now than when, say, Charles Fort was writing, you know, a hundred years ago? Right. I think it's more of an open topic now. I think we can all get into conversations and um, even if you don't believe anything happens, like I have a lot of friends that are complete skeptics in the, in the, sense, in the sense of thinking about death, what happens after death. I mean, some of my friends say nothing happens when you die and I'm just trying to be a good person in this life because when you die, you know, that's the idea of what you're leaving behind. It's the impact you left as a human being. And I'm like, well, that's great. Well, that's still believing something happens when you die. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like, you know, what, what else is out there? And forget that for a second. I think the paranormal scope of things is so weird in this world that we live in. It's so vast that there's a lot of weird phenomena that occurs that we can't even explain that sometimes. Like even the own intuition that we get as human beings based on like feelings of loved ones 
or knowing predicting something is going to happen before it happens, um, or just feeling connected with somebody that you absolutely love and you don't know why you feel that way, but then you talk to that person, you're like, I was just having this. Oh, now I get why I was feeling this way. Just weird, even the simplest things like that. Or, or you guys going into the woods and seeing some weird creature or something that doesn't look of norm and then saying, wait, what was that? That didn't look like a deer, an animal, whatever. You know, we st- start describing and then we base it off of, you know, everyone else's experiences through generations and you start categorizing things because we have to, we have to feel safe and we have to feel like we know what we're experiencing. We know what this is, you know? Um, so I think, I think that ultimately it's more of a topic now. And I think, I really believe just being in all subjects from UFO all the way up, I think that everything is crossing over now from one to the other. I don't think that there's a cryptid UFO and, and, and ghost or whatever paranormal in that sense. I think it's just all one thing, um, meaning it's all something that we can't fully understand yet as human beings. You know, like we the try. grand unification theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. grand I, unification theory of paranormal or whatever. Well, I think I think what they call paranormal now is just pre-normal because we don't have the stuff to exactly. measure it. Or, so it'll yeah. be more just like cryptozoology things moving from cryptozoology to zoology fairly often. Well, Nick, what, what's your what's your take on? See, because um, science is mm-hmm. a really good uh, toolbox, right? And it can be applied to a lot of really interesting things, and you can actually make some progress on it. Um, but the things that you were mentioning, the way you feel about somebody, synchronicities, uh, weird paranormal, science doesn't seem to apply, or like those tools don't seem to work as well towards the, some of those subjects all the time. Um, do you think that there's another toolbox out there um, that might be able to um, be applied towards these other topics that would get us further? Yeah, I think it's just, it comes down to experiments. And I think it has to be like enclosed experiments where you're studying it for years because it's so hard to go into like a location or go to your everyday life and have an experience and then be like, look, I can't be in Bobo shoes or your shoes, Cliff. But if you told me a story about what you experience, I have to listen to you and say, okay, I either believe you or I make up my own conclusion randomly, but that's judging you which I think is unfair because I wasn't there. I didn't know what you went through, but I'm listening to you because I have to as a human being. And that's the right thing to do. So I think ultimately experiences with people, it just comes down to that. I think some things, my conclusion at this point in my life, being 40 years old, been through a lot of crazy stuff. I ultimately think right now, and it could change 10 years from now when I'm 50, it could, it's just like, I'm looking at life as, a journey. We're all on our separate journeys through life. We have to experience everything that comes with the journey. We can't predict the future, but we can pave our own way in the quest of our journey. And we're all ultimately uh, here for a purpose, right? We're here to do something, whatever that is. It ripple affects the universe in a weird way. So I think that the information we're gathering on our journey is subconsciously uh, implanted in the most powerful thing in the world, the brain. So when the body dies, we produce energy. Energy is a real thing. Energy can't be destroyed when you get into the science of it. Kinetic energy when we move and so on. But the consciousness is really what's fascinating in the brain. Where does the consciousness and the energy that's attached to these bones, the skin, flesh, and blood, that obviously that dies. Um, this is a capsule we're living in. 
but where's the energy go? Where's the consciousness go? Where's that linger? Does it move on? Does it transcend? Does it multiply into something? I don't know. It's like such a weird, weird thing when you start thinking about it because there's so many different theories, so many different ideas. When you're talking to like people that had ND experiences, near-death experiences, and they died and they talk about seeing their uncle or their mother coming from, you know, thousands of miles away on an airplane and what they're wearing and what's going on. And then they're floating through the air and then they're brought back in their body, tell their amazing story about like life after death. You know, I've talked to multiple people like that. So I think that technology, science, we're getting closer to um, discovering new things, but that's like anything, discovering how a computer works discovering how to make a massive computer look smaller, and then all of a sudden it's in the palm of your hand as a phone. Discovering how we can make things faster, technology evolve, people evolve, the brain evolve. You know, how do we make ourselves look younger? How do we, it's, it's everything. It's, you know, it's endless. It's just a matter of how we approach things and how badly we want something to be as is. It's just the research, I think, um, there's probably a lot of stuff that we don't know about that has been uh, going, you know, like Area 51s and stuff like that, you know, all over the the world that have all these experiments, all these like um, things that they're working on that we just don't know about yet. You know, like the ghost particle. I mean, it's a massive facility, I think down in um, Florida or Italy or somewhere. And they found the ghost particle with all those cameras set up. And for years, they were documenting until they saw this little small speck of a particle captured on their cameras um, that they have set up in this massive facility. So it, I don't know. It's just weird. You know, it's, it's a weird world we live in. I think everybody has been fascinated since the time, the time that we've been born or whatever. Everyone thinks about once in their life what happens when we die or what, what is the purpose of life or why, what am I doing with my life? You know, stuff like that. So it's an endless conversation. Yeah, and that's paranormal in general. We're not talking about any specific aspect of it, or are you? I, I think it's everything. I, I mean, I used to talk specifics, but I'm at a point in my life, it encompasses everything. And I think I'm just looking at stuff differently now, just based on experiments and, and um, things I've gone through personally and ideas and people I've talked to that are even way more out there in IQ than I am. You know, like a lot of this stuff goes over my head. I talk to people like John Tenney or people that are like scientists when they get into physics and quantum physics and, you know, <laughs> all this craziness. Yeah, a lot but, of the stuff you're saying reminds me of Hellier, mm-hmm. you know, Greg and Dana's project, oh, where yeah, they right. go looking for, you know, goblins in Kentucky and they end up finding balloons and wherever they go. You know, like it's, it almost seems like it was... Uh, um, everybody's on their grand unification theory quest where you look for one specific thing and find out that everything's connected. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Once you get into that subject, I think there has, yeah, I mean, it can be a rabbit hole, but I think, um, I think some of it has to have some clarity, you know, some understanding. Um, like not everything is paranormal. Like, let's just face the facts. You know, if we're sitting together in some abandoned building and we start hearing creaks and craziness, obviously it's an old building and we could probably like rule out, I'd say 85% of what's happening there to be natural or some cause of something, environmental issue. But I mean, I've slept in so many haunted locations all over the world, um, you know, for very, for five years straight. And then I've been to hundreds, thousands of locations. Uh, that are reported to be the most horrific and scary and people being scratched and thrown and 
stuff being thrown. I, it's just like I've I've been to to so many. I think I I've gotten to the point where I've seen a lot of weird stuff. I've once saw somebody that shouldn't have been there in the room with me. Um, at this old hospital, Linda Vista Hospital in 2009, I turned around and I saw a woman standing there, solid figure, wearing a hospital gown, everything, our eyes connected. I obviously freaked out and jumped back because I thought it was a homeless person that broke into the location. <laughs> so I, it took me off guard. Um, I think over time, you start thinking a little bit deeper when you really get into this stuff. You just, it, it's a lot of talk about life, death. You start seeing people pass away around you that are family members, loved ones. You start thinking about it, I think, a little bit deeper. And all humans, I believe, want hope. You know, when you get into religion, you get into the subject matter of like whatever your, your ideas are or your beliefs. It doesn't really matter across the whole entire board. It's just a matter of like that hope. I hope there's something else. I hope there's something greater. I hope you know you just you want that hope in a sense and it's been like that for i mean since people have been on this planet stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages yeah and that's one of the things i think that one of the litmus tests of um, any phenomenon whether it's bigfoot or ufos or ghosts or anything else um, and you want to see how real it could be maybe before you jump into that pool and you look at the history of the subject. You know, if, if the history started in 1966, you know, and, and, it's, and it's regional and that's, well, it's probably not real, you know, but if you can go back to any depth of time and find stories about these same things, you know, lights in the sky or spirits haunting you or hairy people in the woods. Um, then I think the longer and further you go back and it's still there, the more real this sort of thing is. And that's why I give a lot of credence to ghosts and UFOs and lake monsters and hairy people, you know, because yeah. all of those things go back as far back as history itself. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. If you think of anything, right. Um, any story has to start somewhere. So if we're talking about this reported haunted, you know, graveyard that's been around since the 1800s or whatever. And you hear the stories over time, it might change a little bit, but the story had to start somewhere from somebody. So either based on experience or just based on an idea, or they just wanted to tell the story, but it's your conclusion to make up what you believe is real or not, right? Based on your <clears throat> own personal experience. You the do that whether you realize it or not. Exactly. Yeah. You subconsciously do that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, talking about your, um, uh, when you're talking about Ghost Cliff, if you think about it in this way, right? We're, uh, ghost is a real thing, even though like people might say, no, ghosts don't exist. I don't believe ghosts. But think about this. Think about the realism behind what a ghost defined as. We are all ghosts. And the reason why we're all ghosts is because every second that we're speaking right now, we're all passing away. We're all dying. Think about it. Like we're already, we're already, you know, a couple of seconds in time right now from a couple of seconds ago when I just said it. So we're all passing away slowly. It's just a matter of like what you envision to be. So we're pretty much ghosts in a sense. 
or fading, you know, or fading. Yeah. And it's just the concept of like what you believe happens when we die, what you believe happens outside that we can't perceive. And, and if you look at like a lot of, um, new scientists, there's, I've read a, um, an article that came out about some scientists that are graphing out the brain waves and, and actually are graphing out 13 different dimensions within the subconscious that we create during the day of dimensions. So like when you go to daydream, when you're driving in your car, you're waking up and you see the reality we're in now, you see the 2D world. But if you think, oh, this is happening, you start creating this alter world that's happening in your brain, that's one dimension. Supposedly, we create 13 dimensions and they're actually able to graph out what your brain is mapping out in each one of those dimensions, which is kind of trippy. <laughs> it's like, are yeah, we in the matrix? Is. You know? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, this world is so weird, weird that we live in. And I'm just, I'm always thinking of, you know, what else is there? I don't know. I think that's the way to push the boundaries, to think a little bit deeper and just keep, keep evolving because I don't think there's one right way than another, you know? Well, there is. We just don't know what it is yet. Exactly. And I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever know. I, I think the point of life is to live life and not forget that you're alive and to be happy too. You know, I think sometimes we get to be too serious and we forgot to, we forget to laugh and have fun and enjoy life. You know, we get caught up in all the drama or the day activities or whatever the heck's going on, in the worldly problems. But I think that um, the purpose of life is to go through the experience, collect the information in your brain, and try to be a better person and, you know, ripple effect the world for a greater <laughs> idea that we're supposed to be here. And then when you pass on, man, whatever, whatever happens next, take that with you, whatever that vision is, you know? Do you think that there are circumstances where a person might believe something to the extent that they actually uh, create it, like it manifests out of the belief itself? Absolutely. 100%. So the new series that I started doing, uh, Death Walker, one of the locations that we go to, I've been investigating for over a decade, actually two of them. So we take two locations in Death Walker and we compare the two locations based on a theory. And the narrative tells the story from two locations to see if there's any any actual truth behind some of the things that are happening at these locations. So one location is Bobby Mackey's Music World in Wilder, Kentucky. Amazing location. I love um, you know, the owner, uh, Bobby Mackey. He's, he's a great friend of mine. Uh, Matt Coates there, security guard. I've known them for over a decade. And I've been going there since you know, I was pretty much a young, <laughs> young kid. And um, over time, I realized that the environment is changing there. Um, the sense of whatever the energy form that is there that I thought, you know, over a decade ago was like a ghost. Then I thought it was something evil. Then I thought it was somebody that died there. And then now I think it's actually in the sense of a thought form entity, basically what you're talking about, Cliff. So I know there's a lot of factual some death that occurred there outside the, the, the place and inside and some mystery behind who actually died there. And then there's a ton of legends attached to it that we set the facts straight. But over time, I noticed that thousands of people have been coming there based on watching like TV shows and seeing what has happened there. And they're projecting their own intent into the environment saying, there's something evil here. There's something evil. Here. Oh, scratch me, hurt me. Over time, you know what that does? It changes the environment. It changes and transforms energy from people into something else. 
So I believe that what happened there, just based on investigating it uh, recently last year for uh, Deathwalker, that a thought form entity has morphed into its own its own intelligent form, and now has evolved into something else. Meaning, it's collectively gathering all this energy from thousands of people and mirror imaging the intent back of what it's it's picked up on. So. I think there was something there on that ground before that foundation was put in. And then over time, it's just turned into this like weird energy thing that just lingers there and, you know, fivefolds whoever brings their intent in and push, pushes it back onto that person as like a mirror image of whatever they're putting out. Do you think that's the root of evil entities and whatnot? People being afraid of um, whatever, you know, thing might be present at a location or do you think that there's actually some sort of evil behind like um some of the like you know demons and all that stuff my wife's into horror so i kind of think about these things when ghosts yeah. come up you know like do, do you think that uh it's the intent that's put into it or do you think that there might be something there beforehand that might indicate whether it's benevolent or malevolent malevolent i think it's both i really think it's both i think that we produce the energy and put it into the environment to hurt our own self um, I, I, I've seen it with people, to be honest with you. I've seen it in group investigations. I've seen it uh, where everybody else is fine and one person, that one person is like, I'm feeling this, I'm getting scratched. Every, but they're, they're projecting it. But I see them too before they go into the investigation already wanting that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's like Ooh. self-afflicting. Um, and there's a lot of psychology behind it too. It's like what, what state of mind you're in uh, who you are as a person, you know, mental health, you know, there's a lot of psychology behind it, man. You could break somebody down so, so much into that sense, just like anything else. But I do believe that good people in this world die and bad people in this world die. So if we go to a prison together and we go into a jail cell and there was an inmate of Joe Schmo who was a murderer and he was kept in this prison and he murdered somebody in this prison and then he died in this prison cell. You're going to feel that energy. Energy lingers, and that's a real thing. I think the subconscious lingers. I think the energy lingers. So I think it's like you pick up on that sense, and you pick up on like, oh, I don't, I don't feel right in this jail cell. I mean, Bobo, you could probably say that, and maybe Cliff and I are fine. I don't it know. It feels like home. Yeah, it always feels like home for Bobo. For Cliff and I, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just don't know. I think it's it's... You know, it's a double-sided coin, man. It's like people inflect their own self, their own intent, and also positive to positive, negative to negative. Positive people die, negative people die, and that that energy lingers. Um, so I think that's a factor too. And you just got to look at both sides of it. You know what? Also, I think, and this gets really trippy. I think um, just based on doing Deathwalker recently, we did two other locations where we compared about um, time slip. So getting into the idea of time, uh, the notion of time. I was you just going to ask you about time, actually. <laughs> Honestly, because if these are echoes of you know, past events, what does that say about the nature of time itself? Exactly. Well, we create time as human beings because time doesn't really exist. We're in an earth that spins around, a sun that goes up and down, but that's only because you know, the way we are situated in this earth. But we need time. And the, the reason we need time is because we are born into this world, we grow older, we die. That's, that's time. Time is always against us and these human bodies. So we need time because we need to know when to go to sleep, when to go to work, when to take the kids to lunch, whatever it is. 
And it's it's funny when you go into a location uh, like I did on Deathwalker, and I'm sitting there in a, a solitary confinement in the bottom dungeon of a prison that's been sitting there for like 18, 18 whatever it is, dates back to. And then prior to that, it was Native American land and a lot of bloodshed. They said at this one location, Brushy Mountain Prison in Tennessee, that there was blood that would fill the whole entire ground from how many people died and what happened there and so on and so forth. It's pretty wild. And also you get into the idea of like DNA that's attached to the blood and how like even if you're miles away, the DNA can affect, you know, like you can still pick up on those emotions that you're feeling, the blood can. Uh, there, there's a whole science behind all that stuff. But I mean, the whole notion of time, man, is interesting. So I'm in solitary confinement and I have this audio device that I'm communicating with somebody. I have no clue who, but it's intelligently responding directly back to us in real time. So I'm asking questions. And with this device I was created uh, and built, this uh, device called the Geoport, and I'm um, getting responses coming through it, you know, and I'm asking about the prisoner and I'm asking about who's here and what do you need and, you know, water. And, and it starts giving me really good details. And I ask if, if he's a ghost, did you die here? And he's like, no, you're a ghost. So he basically, whoever was talking to me is saying, I'm a ghost. And I'm saying, he's a ghost. And what I started to realize is just based off of like, you know, evidence on my personal experience, what I was hearing, what happens if I'm communicating with somebody from whatever time period that that person is living right now, right? I'm in my reality asking these questions in an abandoned, solitary confinement, you know, historical prison. And somebody is there when it's in operation that's put in solitary confinement. And you got to think that these people lost their minds. Like they lose their sense of time. They lose their sense of when they're put in darkness, food, lack of food, water. You start to inhabit like all these other senses, your, your sense of hearing, your sense of like emotions. You know, everything starts to play more uh, to the forefront. You adapt to that. And I start to think, what happens if I'm communicating with somebody who's living right now in that time period? If time is there right, right now, now, exactly. Exactly. They're there right now, and I'm here right now, and we're able to communicate because he can hear me because his, in, his senses are in heightened, but I can hear him because I have this crazy technology in the future. And I'm like, how can you communicate through this? And he's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? You're, you're bending time. It's like a school project where you take the piece of paper, you fold it in half, put the pencil through it, and boom, like the wormhole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mobius strip, time. right? Exactly. I always thought if I was a stripper, I'd name myself Mobius. <laughs> what would Bobo be? Moby Dick? Oh. <laughs> Depends on his speedo, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. So, and Nick, a lot of this, uh, is, a lot of the stuff you're talking about, and, and mind you, I, I'm just a Bigfoot guy. I, I don't know much about paranormal stuff or whatever, but a lot of the stuff you're talking about seems to be centered around, um, well, not death necessarily, not in the sort of morbid sort of way, you know, but like um, the... the uh, the continuity, I suppose, so the continuation of consciousness in some sort of way um, before and after this this arbitrary line called death, but there's still something going on. Right. Um, 
if I remember right, I picked up somewhere along the line that you yourself had a near-death experience. Is that correct? Yeah, when I was eight years old, um, hyperactive kid, go figure. Oh, but didn't realize that when he found me in the basketball court at Crypticon. Yeah. I um I was waiting for my sister to get out of swimming. My mom was reading a book. About 100 yards away, I saw a tree. I had to climb it. <laughs> Who knows why? And I started climbing it, and I reached out to a branch. Branch broke, and under me was a cyclone fence. Um, ripped open my whole entire left arm, and I hit the ground. Didn't realize what happened. And I just remember getting up, not feeling my body, and, and seeing my mom and just said, Mom, I love you. And I passed out, blacked out. And what I saw next was I opened my eyes and there was all these faces hovered around me, looking down at me. And what was strange is, um, I don't know, it was just so weird where they were just looking at me and just like very bright, you know, Uh, like behind them, it could have been like bright lights if I was inside and all these faces are looking at me. Um. Then the next thing I know it, I'm I'm in the ambulance and then I black out and then I'm in the hospital. And I see I see my sister crying on my dad and I look over and they're like, I just feel my arm being tugged on and stuff, and they're repairing my whole arm. I had like a hundred stitches and uh doctors said half an inch on my artery and I was bleeding out. If my mom didn't think quickly when she saw me, he said I, I would have been dead right there. Um but her quick thinking, she like ripped off her shirt, tied my arm. You know that mom instinct comes in. She like, I was a big kid. I was a swimmer. So she picked me up. And she claims that she brought me inside and they're scrambling to call 911, um, you know, the ambulance and stuff. And when they brought me inside, she says there was only like two of them. There was no one huddling around me, looking down, you know. There wasn't a big crowd or anything like that. It was just like two people um, trying to hurry up and, you know, save my life and stuff. So. I always think back on that years later. I didn't make anything of it. You know, I was that that crazy kid that I was like, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So, you know, <laughs> like after that experience, my arm heals. They got me back into swimming, which was probably the best thing in my life because um, it helped heal and make my arm stronger. But like a little bit later, I, you know, a year later or something, two years later, I built like a rope swing in my woods, knocked myself out. <laughs> I knocked, <laughs> I fell and hit my head on a rock and had to get three stitches and, you know, stupid stuff. Skateboarding off my, um, my house shed in the back with my grandma's. It's just like, you know, <laughs> wild, wilding out kids, um, in the eighties or whatever, nineties. And, uh, but years later, I never made anything of that experience until I started thinking back on certain stuff, because a little bit after that, you know, my mom would tell me stuff like she'd catch me in my room talking to, she really believed at one point I was talking to somebody in my room. And I guess she would say she would come and she like cracked the door and she'd see me staring at the, the ceiling in the corner, talking to like angels and stuff. Yeah. And I, I was never really like Catholic or whatever. I was raised Catholic, but I didn't, I went to church, but I, I didn't kind know. Of recovering Catholic. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what I was talking about, but it's like, she said I was talking. It was just so creepy because it seemed surreal. And she would just catch me talking to something that I truly believe that was there that I was looking at. And um, so I don't know, man, like it's hard, right? Because kids have such an imagination. I know I had a crazy imagination, but. I think there's some realism behind it because I remember vividly after that, about a year later, I came home early from um, 
uh, from school. My mom came home a little bit after that. And I walked into the house and I go upstairs and I go into the kitchen and I see this shadow figure, like this, this man just completely all darked out shadow, just standing right there in, um, uh, where the sliding glass door would be to the backyard. And he was just standing there inside. And it scared me so bad. I ran outside uh, to the basement door into my neighbor's yard. And then my mom came home like a minute later, you know, and, you know, I was freaking out telling her and I didn't know if it was a burglar or if it really happened or didn't happen. It was just surreal. And it's just experiences like that after I had my uh, accident, you know, that I thought of years later when I started doing ghost ventures and stuff like that. And then paranormal lockdown, I started getting older and thinking a little bit heavier on it. And I asked my mom, like, and she started telling me things like that. Like you would talk to yourself in the room, this would happen. You had that happen. And it's just like, it all kind of came back to me. And I started to realize maybe there, maybe that did trigger something. Maybe I did cross over. Maybe it opened me up skating on thin ice, you know, a little bit closer to the other side. I don't, I don't know. But I started to run into people that had NDE, NDE experiences, near-death experiences. And, and they started telling me like just weird stories about them crossing over and what they saw. And Well, that's really interesting because in, in my Bigfoot pursuits, I came across that kind of stuff. And, and you know me, Nick. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think Sasquatches are kind of a boring animal. You know, they're just, they're, <laughs> Whoa. They're, 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 well, I mean, they're, they're cool, but at the end of the day, they're biological and they're, they're not UFO riding, shapeshift and interdimensional whatevers. They're just, everything they do can be more or less explained by biology, you know, so right. it's, they're not really that exciting at the end of the day, but there's this whole cadre of people, you know, this whole population of those in the Bigfoot community that insist that Bigfoots talk to them in their brain, you know, like the, telepathically. And, um, and, and I know several of these people and, you know, I've got nothing against them. I don't think they're right, but I don't think, but I also don't think they're lying is the right. thing. So I kind of started looking for explanations. Um, and what, one of the things I came across was this near death experience sort of deal. And, um, and, you know, talking to entities on the other side and all this sort of stuff. And, um, and, and, and what that led me to is the Strassman studies in the 90s about DMT. Oh, yeah. Have you ever gone down that rabbit hole? <laughs> I've never taken DMT. but I've never so taken DMT either, but it's super but interesting. It's always fascinated me, fascinated me big time. I mean, maybe one day, because I'm just so interested in like what people have experienced. Um, there's always the idea, uh, if you've ever like um, looked into it or people that have experienced it, there's um, these little figures these little like what do they call them gnomes like gnomes or minions or goblins or whatever the heck they are they're working on some mechanical thing like they're building they're doing something but you always run into them when you're when you're tripping on DMT but the interesting part about DMT it's a chemical in your brain yeah it's, it's endogenous like, like all exactly. of us it, like if the government wanted any of us anybody listening right now they can come in and test your body and you'd be hauled to jail because you have an illegal amount of it in your system right now. I know. It's wild, but it opens up your mind to something else, some other dimension. Um, it, it's very 
interesting to me. I mean, you know, Strassman, the guy, the first guy in the the United States that was allowed to do experiments on it after all psychedelics became illegal. And now DMT is the most powerful psychedelic drug known, you know, and it turns out that all, like all mammals, most plants and all sorts of other life forms carry it. Um, The, one of the reasons he stopped doing his experiments once he was, you know, because he was allowed to do it with the FDA permission and all that stuff in the 1990s, one of the reasons he stopped his experiments was because a significant percentage, like something like 37 or 39% of his subjects described having conversations with non-human intelligences that they were completely confident were not themselves. Like they weren't talking to the, bra- the, the back of their brain. And then and so many people who have near-death experiences or so many so-called Bigfoot contactees have similar experiences and come back with the same messages that I'm kind of convinced at this point that there is a veil between you know, what we experience as reality and what other entities might experience as reality. And right. the, those other entities are more than happy to conform with whatever your expectations are of them. Whether they're ghosts, whether they're um, ancestors, whether they're Bigfoots living in the woods outside their house or whatever. Like, oh, that doesn't scare you? Okay, sure. That's what I am. Let's continue our conversation now. Yeah. I mean, you got to think we're a young species to a young planet. What else is out there? I just watched something where they said that, um, uh, what was that scientist? That he, he discovered um, about 4,000, I think it's about 4,000 now. Other planets that revolve around similar suns like ours. So if you're saying, and they, they think that there's trillions of them in space. So yeah, the, the, the best ma- estimate right now is half of right. star systems have planets. Exactly. And the way that they were able to see it with their telescope was uh, when the planet like Earth crosses in front of the sun, it creates a shadow. And that's how they were able to indicate it being, you know, like a, a planet and having a sun and whatnot. But I mean, there's one planet within that unit, and I'm talking about separate universes, 4,000 separate universes like our universe, where there is a possible planet that's just like our planet that has a sun, just like our sun. So you got to say the possibilities of no life form beyond us. And I'm talking about some like crazy older universes, way far more like ancient than our our universe so what else is beyond that because you know then you get into the idea of everything that has a beginning has to have an end right like maybe because when we look into space it seems like infinity but where's the end is there an end is this just the beginning or do we have to go through this life to evolve into some higher intellectual power like some do we have to go through it until we get it right as some energy form i I don't know man like all i know is i'm just trying to live a good life and trying to do what's right um because i think i i really don't know what's next and all i want to do is like evolve humanity for something greater rather than being the same old ordinary you know Life well, I know short. that whenever I'm faced with these unanswerable questions, I turn to the only place I know, which is Bobo. What do you think? <laughs> I, I'm on the same page that you guys are saying. I mean, because I've had, I've had that disembodied voice in my head, which I've always said, I mean, the most likely thing to me is that it's my own brain doing it, whether it's pheromones secreted by the Sasquatch or infrasound produced by the Sasquatch or just whatever it is, or maybe it is them doing thought projection, but... 
uh, yeah, I know what people are talking about. It's it, it the time it told me to. Um, I've told everyone that listens to this podcast with any regularity has heard me tell the story a hundred times. But when I had that one come up behind me and growl, and I went to turn around and take its picture, and I just got this loud voice in my head saying, "If you turn around and take my picture, I'm going to f and kill you, and no one's ever going to find your body." Do you like, think Sasquatches go around dropping f bombs? So <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I that's what I said. It had to be my brain interpreting like a vibe, or yeah, because you drop f bombs. I don't know about Bigfoots. Uh, that one did. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, and talking about like the whole, like even if God wasn't real, humans would invent it just with thought projection or you, know, you hear stuff like that. Um, it's interesting though. I mean, it's, it's it's really interesting the way they're mapping the brain and how much um, I've been following that a little bit and all the imaging, like the advanced imaging and tying together like the different sectors of the brains and what Nick was talking about before, like the different dimensions the brain can can produce or has or it's all it's all trippy what are your thoughts on the role of technology in human evolution yeah i mean if you look at if you look at people in general i mean our necks are expanding our heads are growing like what who's to say that what people are referring to like the grays or like aliens that people have experienced aren't us from the future right if technology grows we grow we evolve space you know, we transform into these beings and we're coming back experimenting or trying to figure out whatever the heck we've messed up in the future. And maybe there is some sort of evolution of like the continuation of all this technology revolving around human beings adapting to whatever happens in the future too. I mean, I think that's a huge possibility. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think anything's possible, man. It's just such a weird world we live in that we can't say one thing is is the exact, you know? So, I mean, if you just look at technology in general, it's it's come so far. Look at virtual reality. Look at stuff that movies were made of, you know, like Total Recall and stuff like that. <laughs> look at what we're getting into now. I would imagine that in the future to come, we'll have Bluetooth chips implanted into our brains so we can holographically see stuff or escape or go on these like virtual trips or you know, like a total recall type phase. Um, and I think we're going to keep evolving and I think our, our bodies and everything else is going to adapt. And, you know, we're always trying to create this nutrition or whatever you want to call it to like stay young and, you know, get bigger muscles or whatever the heck people are doing these days. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> such a weird idea because we always want to have this hierarchy of like power or feeling good about ourselves or being stronger or healthier or smarter or whatever the heck the case is. But then, you know, you brought up a lot of cool things too that you were talking about. If you even talk about like, you know, going back to the paranormal for a second, um, the visual spectrum, right? We only see so far in the spectrum on the visual scale. When you actually look at a visual scale, if you've ever gone to like um, the eye doctor and he shows you like, here's where you see in the spectrum of like mm-hmm. everything yeah. that's out there, like ultraviolet rays and whatnot. Like we're only seeing a certain percent. And it's very small. It's like, what is it? 2%, 4% of the actual spectrum. You know, dogs see a little bit farther than we see, obviously in that spectrum. But then so on and so forth. It's like, can you imagine what else is in the realm of what we're living and how we perceive things? What else is around us? We don't see the oxygen we're breathing, right? We don't see the billions of neutrinos that pass through our body every second. Like all the neutrinos and stuff passing through us, like we don't see that stuff. So yeah, it kind of brings up the idea that a, the brain was invented to perceive things. 
when I kind of think the opposite, the brain was actually invented to filter things out right. so we aren't overwhelmed. But what happens if we're all an experiment for something else to figure out how to take the consciousness or the, the idea of the consciousness, right? The information that we're collecting, take all that information that we've, we've gathered and take that and then woof, transplant that information into another body so that can keep living. And then woof, that body dies, that can keep living and keep going through that process. Maybe like we're just an experiment, like these ants on the ground that we want to step on. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, speaking from experience, I'm confident that I am just an experiment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get things wrong all the time, too. I do, too. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong in all this stuff. Who knows? <laughs> it's just fun to think about, you know? I mean, we have a brain, we might as well use it um, right. and then kind of push the boundaries and see what, hey, what, what, are, what are we capable of thinking about instead of just thinking about the things that, you know, are easy? Yeah, exactly. The norm is no norm anymore. I think like stuff that is out of the norm is more healthy these days. I think we tried so hard, you know, like if you look at anything from the 1950s, we tried so hard. Put on the suit, go to work, come home. What's for dinner? Go to sleep, wake up, do it again. I think now we're just like all, I don't know, free floating craziness ideas, but there's a lot of chaos in the world. I think you know, it's crazy and our, it's, I don't know, it's just a crazy world right now that people are losing their minds. But I think it's a lot of obviously reasons behind it. But the universe has a weird way of playing things out. If you look at the history of time, there's always these epidemics, you know, every hundred years or whatever, there's this crazy outburst of something. You know, I'm just happy we're not living in the plague era when Black Death walked the earth. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, like, well, I don't remember, but thankfully, no, I don't remember. But... <laughs> like bubonic plague? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine living in that era? They were just taking people like, if, if Bobo was coughing or something, they'd be like, burn him, he has it. You know, they would burn people. Oh, and just having no that. idea what's causing it either. Because exactly. remember, you know, you mentioned earlier how we're a primitive species. We didn't know about germs 120 right. years ago. Yep, exactly. I want to ask Nick a couple of ghost things before we split. Okay. What's your uh, feeling about exorcisms? Um, they're, they're fascinating, right? Because I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. A part of me thinks that people with a, uh, you know, depression, oppression, it goes through the phases of that and then fall heavily into that. I usually, typically, like a real exorcism, uh, my understanding, going through the Vatican and all that stuff, it's a huge process mm-hmm. to even claim that it's something of, some extraterrestrial, like some demonic presence or something that has overtaken someone's body. I think that's the one thing that actually through my whole entire career has scared me. Something that can overtake, something of a negative energy, negative entity that can overtake your own body and your own psyche. Like, I think that scares me a little bit. You know, I used to laugh at like movies like The Exorcist when I was a kid. I used to love them. Like I'm a horror fanatic. I used to love all the horror movies and I rented all the exorcist movies. But then like a little bit later in my life, I had like this weird moment where I felt like this negative energy uh, moved through me. I kind of blacked out for a second. And I don't know what happened, but all I heard was the voice in my head saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. And it obviously it wasn't me. And 
I, I shook it off and then I felt so drained after. But I'm like, man, if something can overtake or try to overpower your own, you know, your will or your body or your your brain or whatever when you're vulnerable, like exorcisms, I think hit a little bit deeper with me um, because and I, I've studied a little bit on it. Like, um, what was that one? Exorcism of Emily Rose, like the real story of that hearing the tape recordings of the priest when he's uh, there with the girl and hearing her voice change and, you know, her, her dying in the process of him, you know, trying to exercise that whatever was overtaking her or whatever was happening with that and him being in jail for it. I don't know, man. It's a scary thought. I know there's been thousands of cases worldwide. Um, I've talked to some pretty credible people that have experienced and seen it firsthand and i've talked to some people that i think are full of shit to be honest with you right (laughs) so it's like i think a lot of people do um stuff for five minutes of fame and tv or whatever um right and i think there's some real serious stuff that the one two percent of humanity has experienced something far more sinister than we can comprehend that possibly when somebody's in a vulnerable state um maybe there's something that can overtake you know that willpower but i've never personally experienced an exorcism been there but i've talked to um some good people that have what actually scares you out oh, you mentioned exorcism scares scares you it, what else out there that maybe you've had a brush with or maybe something that you want to avoid what actually scares you because it doesn't seem like you're you're the kind of guy that's scared of the dark no, I mean, it takes a lot to scare me. I mean, I, I was living in the most haunted places in the world for five years. Uh, and I would live there for three days, 72 hours. And I would sleep in like, okay, here's a prison. Five people were murdered in here. Okay, Nick, have a good night. <laughs> and I would just sleep <laughs> in there by myself. It's a weird feeling. It really Fs with your head. I won't lie, man. Like the psychology behind it is just crazy. You feel super vulnerable. Um, there's not a lot that scares me because you have to come to terms with yourself. What are you going to do? Run? I, I used to joke around and say, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> but there's a lot of bad things that can happen. You get killed on camera, but you got a great show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, and do you I've do this Cyberman style? Just you set up cameras or is there a guy in there with you? No, it was uh, for Paranormal Lockdown. I'd have a cameraman follow uh, myself and my co-host Katrina around. And then uh, he would leave. And it would just be us two. So then she would go way on some part of the building where, you know, like something crazy happened and I would sleep by myself in some place. It was just us and I would wake up dragging my own camera around and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there's been a lot of weird moments. Um, I don't know. It's just like a weird, a weird feeling when you're isolated, you're vulnerable. It doesn't take a lot that scares me. I slept in a morgue the whole night. That was weird. In like um, one of the drawers? Yeah, yeah, in the drawers and an old... <laughs> historical um it was newsham park hospital uh in england really like massive castle looking place creepy and they would um they had their own embalming in a crematory building right next to the the big building it was like an orphanage and just creepy history so i slept in one of the morgue slabs by myself in the building it was just so weird man it was so uncomfortable and dirty and disgusting i I swear i felt like like life it was disintegrating off me after every single location like my skin was just like falling off my body but 
I think the one thing that scares me that I've come to terms with is uh, negative energy, negative energy that can overtake your own willpower or psyche or body, mind, body, spirit, you know, all that stuff. I think that kind of makes me nervous when you start feeling it at locations, you know, when you're vulnerable, like going to sleep and you're so tired that you can't function anymore. And if something kind of gets into your brain or into your like subconscious or whatever and like suddenly you, you're not yourself anymore like you're feeling like that dark cloud or just bad you know i think that's a little scary nick it's been great having you on the show um i mean a lot of people know who you are and then a lot of people know who obviously we are too but our two worlds collide and i think that's the point i think that's really neat that we're all in the our different weird things and um and we can come together and talk about the weird stuff because you know bigfoot and beyond half the title is beyond, then we don't get into that enough. And you're just the guy to talk to about that weird stuff. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it, guys. It was fun. It was a deep conversation, I'm realizing, but I enjoyed it. It was a great time. Yeah, I'd like to think that we're not your average podcast. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, there's nothing norm these days about anything. So it's perfect. Right. (laughs) So where's the best place for people to look you up, Nick? Social media, yeah, I'm uh, just my name, Nick Roth. Make sure it's the blue check mark or has more f- um, people following because there's a lot of fake accounts out there. I'm noticing. And you're um, also Nick Roth, the musician I, I know online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. I've been working on a new album coming out. Uh, hopefully this year. Kind of got halted because of everything that's going on, but um, working with my good friend Messinian, producing it, and a really amazing music artist. And we just got a lot of big things coming out. Um, Working on a lot of stuff. You know me. It's never not one thing. <laughs> right. That's great. Right. Well, with that, Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond. I mean, you are a, a beacon of the weird and a high-profile um, paranormalist in general, and it's always good to have that kind of thing on the show. You know, I, we sometimes get a little bit too serious with the Bigfoot thing, um, and there, we ignore all the other weird stuff that's out there. And there's so much weirdness in the world. I say it almost every episode. The world is not only weirder than you think, it's actually weirder than you can think. And it's fun to have um, people on to talk about just whatever comes up. So thank you very much for participating in Bigfoot and Beyond. Yeah, thank you guys. It was such a great conversation, really deep thinking, and I really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it's great talking to you, Nick. And we still, and folks who really listen to that, if you're into the paranormal and big, which I know a lot of people are, Cliff, I, and Nick have been talking about doing a combo Bigfoot ghost adventure tour expedition at like a, you know, somewhere like Timberline Lodge in, uh, Mount Hood, you know, where there's Bigfoots outside and ghosts inside. Where we want to do something like that here coming up. Let's do it. I would love to. That'd be amazing. It's cool to bring the two forces together. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe UFOs come down and take us all. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, cool, Nick. Good luck with your adventures and we'll be watching for your new project coming out. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. All right. Good call, Bobes. I'm so glad you gave Nick a call to invite him on the show. Yeah, yeah. He's always so busy. He's hard to nail down, but he's, he's generous, you know, to make some time for us. Yeah, one of the nicest guys in paranormal land, I think. Is for, I mean, uh, I've, I've known him for a few years because, you know, we do gigs together, essentially, you know, CryptidCon yeah. or, or um, any, any variety of gigs and appearances. But since this year, uh, there have been no appearances because of COVID. Um, it's just nice to reconnect, you know, occasionally with friends that we don't get to see because we're not on the road. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, let's keep it going, Cliff. I mean, we just had a great guest, and hopefully we get some more coming up here soon for the folks listening at home. And we appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, keep it squatchy.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond.